0: What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss blackmail issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. What's going on, my brother, Mr. Vaval? (laughs) <laughs> what's going on jonto the giant jt jeep <laughs> we here baby we here man here we here uh i, I want to start something new i want to do something different um i just want to talk about just briefly like the the things that you're grateful for like what happened this week or just like in life contemplating just you know instilling some gratitude before we start man that's that's
1: funny that you bring that up because um I was actually listening to uh, a manifestation coach and she was saying how, when you wake up should do at least a page of what you're grateful for. So it's actually something that I started today. Um, I didn't get a whole page done, but I'm definitely grateful for life to be able to attempt life every single day. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for loving friendships and relationships like yourself, my family members, my sister, my mom, my siblings, um, and I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. This goes along with the first thing I said with life. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to think through life, right? Uh, the awareness that I have, um, including the you know the process that I've gone through in life, and just being able to think about those things, right, and not necessarily be on this hamster wheel of life but to take a break, to look back at it and to think through it and just appreciate what I've been through in life. So that's what I'm grateful for.
0: Nice. Nice. For me, it's if I could just pin it to one thing is more so of like who I am. Like, as I think back to when I was younger, I've always felt different from everyone else. And then when I found out about the whole HSP thing, I was like, oh, shoot, (laughs) it makes sense. But in term, When I said different, I mean, like, I've always stood out, not only physically, but just the way I thought, even in my worst days. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine said the other day, he was like, yeah, I remember the boys used to hang out with and stuff like that growing up as a kid. And he was like, I always wondered, like, why, why John don't hanging out with these guys? Like he said, he felt like I was so much more mentally above the people I hung out with Mm. and I'm like wow that's kind of crazy that you saw that at that time but for me I'm like man just I I love I'm grateful and I love the fact that I I'm resilient in terms of my growth as a person like I've gotten knocked down a lot I mean before I even came out the womb I was knocked down 15 times and I'm just (laughs) like yeah, like, you know, shout out to D-Wade, you know, fall seven, give it up eight. Let's yeah. Go all right. <laughs> and um, I'm just thankful for that, man, because not a lot of people have that mindset or have that that drive, that will, that determination, because I, I felt low about myself. I didn't feel as if I had much to offer the world. May I may have presented that. Right. But emotionally, I didn't feel that way. But there was always something inside of me just like, keep going, keep going, keep learning, keep searching. So I'm definitely thankful and grateful for that. So what, what, um, I'm gonna
1: ask this question because I could relate to what you're saying about maybe growing up, not hanging around people that were on your level or maybe not the right crowd. But what was the alternative? Because when I think about it, what else were we supposed to do? Because being a loner um, wasn't accepted. And we, I don't feel like, at least for me, I didn't have the intangibles at the time or the confidence to be a leader, so to speak. So what was, what were we going to do?
0: No, that's a great question. To be honest, there's really nothing you can do because when you're a kid, you're not in full control of your environment. You you're in control of what, of yourself and what you do. However, you're developing as a kid, as an adolescent, as a teen. Especially when you're a teen, you you want to be in the end. You don't want to be an outsider. Right. And it's just there's so many different layers to it. And if you grown up in a traumatic situation, you know your behavior is going to show that. And there's a lot of different things. But I just I know when I became of age, like 17, 18, 19, I started making different decisions in terms of who I was around. Mm. And I was hated for that. And people felt as if I thought I was better than them. And I'm pretty sure I had that arrogance to me as well. But I definitely don't regret, like, not, you know, trying to shift my mind because I knew something was up. I was like, man, nah, this is not... This is not what I want. These are not the type of people I want to be around. Um, this I, I just want better, you know. So when I got of age, I did that. But when you're younger, I mean, you like I said, you're not in full control of your environment. So you just try to do the best that you can. No,
1: that's that's true. That's true. And you you mentioned D-Wade earlier. And I don't know if did you watch his Hall of Fame speech?
0: No, I didn't get a chance to see it. So I saw
1: clips. you saw clips. One of the things that I appreciate when he talks about him growing up. And thanking his mom for allowing his dad to come and step in and take over and be a parent when she couldn't parent him anymore because of her life and her drug abuse. Mm-hmm. Talked about how his dad, which it, it it really got me emotional because he talked about how his dad would take him to every park in Chicago in the inner city and help and and allow him to play against grown men and then spend that time playing with him in the garage against him and his siblings. And it like, it fortified who he was and his character uh, because his dad took that opportunity to kind of raise him in that way. Um, And like you said, as a kid, we we can't control our environment. Um, And in that moment, his dad was like, yo, I'm going to put you in this environment to help mold you um, and, and, and raise you into the man I believe you should be. So that that's a great example.
0: Yeah, cause that boy D-Wade definitely got he, – he got something, man, that a lot of people don't have. But yeah. Growing up watching him and just seeing, like, if it was an offensive play that needed to be made, he made it. If it was a defensive play that needed to be made, he made it. It's like he's just – his internal motor. And honestly, the belief of himself is what mm-hmm. got him there. And that is a perfect segue into our topic for today. There was a clip that we saw. What I believe was it all the smoke with um, Austin Reeves? Yeah. yeah, and he was talking about how he how he didn't want to go to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. He had and a he chance. Had, to Yeah, he's like, nah, it'll be nice to be drafted, but I don't want to go to that team. I'll take my chances and I'll go try out for the team that I want to play for is the Lakers. And I just want to play that short clip. I want to play that short clip so our listeners can hear.
2: We could have got drafted 42nd to uh, Detroit, but kind of declined that to kind of put me in L.A. for a better spot. So I heard about, but break that down because I
1: heard about that. I didn't know if that was real. So I heard there were teams that wanted to draft you and you kind of told them respectfully, we kind
2: of have a plan. So tell us about that plan and uh, betting on yourself. So basically we tiered teams, you know, best fit for me. And LA was, I think, two on the list at the time. Milwaukee might've been one, but they were tier one. And I think Detroit called. Yeah, no, it was, it was, like I said, really, um, trying to put me in a position to, you know, be able to get a roster spot. Uh, We knew that there was a high interest for a two-way, so we didn't really have to press. Uh, And that's what everything in the draft would have been from 42 and on would have been basically a two-way agreement. So we didn't have to press and um, I didn't really have to hear my name called either. I mean, obviously I wanted to, Mm -hmm. but it was all about, you know.
0: So when I hear this, so many things, so many lessons run through my mind. <laughs> yeah. And one of them is faith. Yeah. And a lot of people, I know for me, for a long time, I just looked at faith as believing in a higher power. Yeah. But there's also a heavy component of faith, which is believing in yourself. Yeah. And regardless of what everyone else around you is saying, your faith and your belief in yourself drives you into the direction that you want to go into. And that's when you, that's what we call betting on yourself, taking big risks and chances. That's what having faith in yourself is. And with Austin Reeves, man, that's, that's a, it hits it on the money. That's, that's what that is. hundred percent. And it's funny, right? Because
1: we, I heard this quote, right? we believe faith is faith in god right when really true faith is having the same faith as god you know what i mean so a lot of times you know yeah we have faith we you know yeah i think i believe it's like i kind of i i want to do it and i believe i probably could do it but it's like it's so limited right and and there's a lot of insecurities that pop up we lack confidence um but We always read growing up, right? Faith without works, it's a formula. Faith without works is dead, right? And a lot of times, it was funny because I was talking to your wife about this, right? Um, And she mentioned it on her Instagram. We always want God or whatever spiritual, you you know, universal power you believe in. We always want that particular power to do the work for us, right? It's like, you know, we, we, we pray to God and say, man, I hope I catch this bus this morning but we don't run for the bus to try to catch it. We leave our house lackadaisical and say, man, I prayed to catch this bus and if I don't catch it, all right, maybe it wasn't meant to be. And it's like, nigga, you serious? You know what I mean? So for Austin Reese to have that kind of faith in himself to, to dismiss being drafted, like he he he's the perfect example of what you call a delayed gratification. Because to be drafted in that moment as an 18, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, that's what a lot of us dream to do. But he was like, but it's not in the right situation that I want, right? So let me bet on myself. Let me have faith. I know I can make it either way. And let me go try out for the team that I really want. And for him to do that, man, that, that was incredible. Because I be honest with you, I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs>
0: I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi Africa and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist. People always ask me, "How did I do it?" If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, click the link in the show notes to my book when Giants get fed up from anger to ambition and once you've read it please feel free to leave me a rating and review I know what you mean and that and that and that's when I look at his his situation I'm like wow I I have to think and this is something that I do
2: mm-hmm.
0: when I hear a certain story like that where someone, they step out in a way where it's uncommon. I always go to their upbringing. Mm. Because the upbringing gives you the breadcrumbs as to why they are the way that they are, why they move the way that they move, why they think the way that they think. And when I listened to the entire interview, he spoke about his older brother, how his older brother would push him to get up early in the morning, to go play here, to train. And his brother's only about three years older than him. And he actually does play overseas basketball as well. And I'm like, oh, he had someone in his life that believed in him. Yes. And that's where it starts. And you you mentioned a great point. Faith without works is dead. Now, the way that I used to look at that was, oh, if I... If if I want this to come to fruition, then I need to work. Mm. But that's not what the text is saying. It's saying that if you truly believe, you're naturally going to do the things to prove that faith. Mm-hmm. That's what you, that's really what it is at the end of the day. Right. But I used to look at it from another perspective. Like I said, oh, I work, that means I believe it. But I've worked so much. But you ever had that feeling where you're working towards something, but you're kind of like doing it half-heartedly, not truly believing that it's going to happen, but you feel as if, hey, you know, if if I want this to happen, I have to do this. But inwardly, you you don't really believe it. That's what they call, uh, is that almost like faking it till you make it? (laughs) Oh, yes, exactly. Faking it till you make it, right. Yeah. So you, you were trying to outwork your belief. And there's no possible way. And this is the thing about belief and faith when it comes to work is what a lot of us don't understand is your beliefs are directly connected to your emotions. Mm. Directly connected to your emotions. So have you ever seen a situation where someone is mistreated they may show up emotionally in a certain way or they may react a certain way but a lot of times what we do is we we're highlighting the emotional reaction but we're not seeing okay what is the belief that is supporting this emotional reaction what is the belief that is that is that the that this emotional reaction is founded upon And I recently just had a session with a client of mine and she was saying how her son graduated college. Now he's exercising his degrees, going to look for jobs. And he came from a job interview and she's asking him certain questions. They're having a conversation about it. And long story short, he, she asked him, did you ask how much they're going to pay you? He was like, no. She asked, did you, did you ask for any benefits she said he said no and she immediately just started getting on him scolding him like yo how could you go to a job interview you don't ask this and that and that so on and so forth and I was like okay hold up what made you react that way and she was like oh I don't really know I just I don't know and I said okay let's think about the emotions that you had in that moment and she was like well, I felt disappointed. I felt frustrated. I felt angry. And I said, okay, would you say that you you felt afraid? I said, don't answer too quickly. Just kind of think about it a little bit. Do you feel like did you feel afraid? And she was like, Well, if I think about it, yeah, because I was afraid that they would look at him as he's incompetent or he wouldn't get the job. I said, okay, good now i broke it down for her and i explained you know there every emotion or emotion clusters of emotions are tied to a belief but most importantly when you break down emotions in general you can have the anger you can have the frustration you can have the disappointment all of those emotions are attached to fear and then the emotions of being hopeful being optimistic being grateful, being thankful, those emotions are attached to love. So once you start feeling a certain type of way, you just know that, okay, the root of these emotions that I'm feeling is fear. Why am I fearful? And she was just like, whoa, like, dang. So I was like, okay, now let's take it a step further. Now you see that you're fearful. What belief is attached to this fear? You said you're afraid that he's gonna seem incompetent. I said, it's deeper than that. And she was like, how deeper can it go? And I'm like, yeah, it's 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 deeper than that. Seven and, layers. Right, exactly, seven layers. And I said, it's deeper than that because you have to go back to your childhood to see why you feel as if he's going to look and come off as incompetent. And because I've worked with her for such a long period of time, I said, I already know what it is. And she was like, what is it? What is it? I said, You are a perfectionist. You were a perfectionist since you were a kid because growing up in the Haitian culture, you can't look left, you can't look right, you can't sneeze. You have to be perfect. Watch. Now you're projecting that on your son. And she was like, whoa. I said, that's the belief. You believe that he has to be perfect in order to get a job. And if you believe that, then that means you don't believe in grace and self-compassion. You don't believe that you don't believe pretty much in being human because we, everybody makes mistakes, but just because we make mistakes it doesn't mean we can't get the result that we're searching for, that we're looking for, that we want. And she was like,
1: Whoa. 100%. I I know that was tough for her because, and it's funny because we were talking about this right before we got on for this podcast episode Learning to enjoy the hardship of a journey, right? A lot of us, and we mentioned in a previous podcast, we chase destination. We we finish the process, or we get the reward, and we're like, "Ooh, okay, life should be easier now." It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And, and the reason why we're not grateful is because we don't. We look at. We all have a perfectionist. Some of us, most of us, we all try to be perfectionists in our own way, right? And we don't look at the journey and the process and the mistakes as lessons, exciting lessons that we've learned along the way. When we get to the destination, we don't look back and say, man, I grew in through all of this. I grew from here and I love the person that I've become. Instead, we try to love the result that came from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we wonder why when new life challenges happen, we feel like it's a repeated cycle versus a new journey to redis- to discover more of ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I-, I think ultimately, a lot of us, we are driven by results. That's the society that we live in. But in reality, we have to be driven by the things that grow us, that give us life. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Listening to Will Smith on Kevin Hart's show, Heart to Heart, and man, and I told you this before, that this thing is just revolutionized my mind. You know, the emoji that the brain just blows up. That's what happened to me. He said, I never worked for money. I worked to learn. I worked to grow. I, learned to, I worked to gain experiences. I worked to build and, and develop relationships. I'm like, whoa, that's the hack right there for success. That's it. But so many of us are working towards the money. And that's exactly what Austin Reeves did because he said, he was like, he wanted more than anything to play with LeBron because he wanted to learn from him. So that made him take that step and say, uh, I'd rather not be drafted to the Detroit Pistons. I would prefer to not be drafted and just take my chances and go to LA and try out for the team. Yeah. That's a big risk. Man, but that's faith though. It's, it, it's something that you have to grow into because, man, I've... I've had some crazy experiences where I have walked out of a church one time Mm. with $50,000 in hand, like in bags of money, bags of money, walking out when I was with the missionary group, um, raising money to go overseas. And I remember one of the leaders of the team, he would always say this. He said, man, if God can do these things for us corporately, As a ministry, why why wouldn't he be able to do these things for us in our individual lives? And that's always stuck with me because I'm like, he's right. It's true. And it's now that I'm really starting to feel that same feeling of expectancy that I used to feel back then when I was the group. I'm feeling that same feeling in my individual life. Every single day, I wake up expecting something great to happen i'm expecting some life altering shift to happen and that's what faith is because what's going to end up happening is when you have that feeling like i said is attached to a belief right so that shows me oh my beliefs are changing and you know what that feeling is you know what that feeling belief that the feeling is attached to is attached to the belief that I know I'm worthy of great things. Yes. I know I deserve to live a great life. I know that I am more than capable and able of living the life that I want to live. I'm more than capable and able to creating the life that I have in my mind. So now, because I truly believe that, it is producing an emotion, a feeling of, of hope of expectancy. And as a result, I'm moving forward and I'm working and I'm doing things because of that feeling. Yeah.
1: It it, it reminds me of the example you always tell me, uh, be, do, have. Mm. Right? Be, becoming, belief, however you want to see it. And then the do is the work, right? You're not outworking your faith. You're putting in the work because of your faith. And then the have is the reward, the the life that you manifested, the life that you want, that you're building, that you have built is because of all those things. And that. All of that is is the
0: example that you're giving a perfect example, that's a perfect example. And that formula right there, if you can live by that, be, do, have. When you understand that there's a certain person that I need to become. There are certain beliefs that I need to have in order for me to do and then have life is so much easier. But that's the work that most people don't want to do. Because when you when you take that step and say, yo, okay, I have to be this type of person, man, you're confronted with your dark self. You look in the mirror, you realize, like, whoa. I'm nowhere near the person that I thought I was. Wow, I can't can't believe I think this way. And then if you're really doing your work, you will look up like, wow, I said this person is an overthinker. This person is so anxious. This person is so pessimistic. This person is this and that. And you realize that, whoa, I'm that same type of person. Yep. And when you go through that process, it's like, Is humbling, but that's what needs to happen in order for you to become the person that you need to be, in order to do the things that you need to do, in order to have the life and the things that you want. But to take it a step further, I'm not even using that formula to have the life that I want. I actually love the process of becoming. Yes. It just happens to be that I'm getting the results that I want. Percent, and I remember Maverick Carter saying that about LeBron. Mm-hmm. He said, "Yo, LeBron, more than the championships, he loves the process. He loves the process of getting up and and training, and then after training, going to training camp, starting the season. He loves that, and you can see that with him. How like, yo, he's like a big kid. Like he's just like he's loving every step of it."
1: Hundred percent. So it was easy for him to come back down three one in the championships because he was like, "Bro, I've been down three one my whole life." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, for everyone, when you start that process, you you're de- it's gonna it's gonna feel crazy. You're going to be at a deficit. You're going to start with a negative number, but like Austin Reeves did, he took that chance. He bet on himself, and now. He ended up on the Lakers. He got the contract. He's one of LeBron's, like, LeBron trusts him on the floor. And he's on a championship caliber type of team. With And he's only been in the league in less than five years, right? Probably
0: his third I think year. It's only been two years. Has it been two like, years, so?
1: right? <laughs> Look how quickly. Thirty year. This is thirty third year, right? And that's what we said last podcast, right? Time does not equal depth because what he's done in two years, people take 12 to do. You know what I mean? So, but everyone has an individual journey that they have to go on. We're just saying, yo, take that, bet on yourself, take that risk, take that chance. And me and you are here as living testaments, as people who decided to take that chance. We did not come, we were not born with a silver spoon. Like you said, you've been fighting, you've been Tyson in people since you've been born. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you've been trying to knock niggas out and bite ears since the womb, you feel me? Um, but you've been able to have at least this much level of success in your life because you never gave up and you've always worked on yourself and you've always believed in yourself and it wasn't perfect in the beginning, but the process
0: was perfection. Mm. Yeah. And for all those out there who may be thinking, man, I want to get to that point. I want to be able to have that faith in myself. I want to be able to believe that I can do what I put my mind to. I I want to be able to have this and that, so on and so forth. But you feel as if it's just not working for you. This is where your healing work comes into the picture. Because for me, I try to outwork my faith. That's what I try to do. I tried to outwork how I truly felt and believed about myself. And I had to really be honest with myself that one, like most men, I was putting on a mask. I was performing. And two, I had to say, wow, like I really don't believe that I can do this. I really don't feel as if I'm worthy, but then it doesn't stop there. Where are those feelings coming from? Because what a lot of us don't realize is the way that we feel about ourselves, whether good or bad, that's just passed down from the last generation or whatever environment or culture you grew up in. It's just passed down. So when I look back and I and I see how people counted me out, I was always the black sheep everywhere I went. Parents would tell their kids not to hang with me um getting you know suspended all the time dropping out of high school these things that i did were just a product of the generation before me and how they made me feel and i had to go deep and say wow you know i thought about it it's like yo there's several moments but there's one specific moment i remember my mother calling the house cuz i didn't grow up with my mom and she's calling the house to speak to my grandmother and she says, Jonathan, where's your mom? Pass your mom the phone. Wow. In that moment, I'm like, what? What, you don't think I know that you're my mom? In that moment, I'm stunned. And I'm like 12 years old. And I'm I'm like, what? Just, that's just one thing. That's just one thing. But that one thing is going to develop within myself a belief that man I'm not worthy of love right I'm not worthy to be loved by a mom like my, not only my not even my own mom wants to claim me those things those seeds they eventually grow they produce fruit of insecurity yeah. they produce fruit of resentment anger And as a result, you live out those beliefs. So when I really started to get into the weeds of why do I feel this way about myself? And I started to see, okay, this is not. And when I say, when I started to see, I mean, this is therapy. This is reading. This is years of like really deconstructing and breaking down. When I started to see, oh, my mom had an issue with her grandmother, with my grandmother. They never saw of eye. My grandmother always kicked her out. That's always a bunch of crazy stuff. When I started to understand family history, I'm like, oh, my mom felt worthless. She felt as if she wasn't loved. So what do I expect her to do? Absolutely. And that's when I was yeah. And that's when I was able to forgive her, and I was able to move on and not carry those things with me. And a lot of us think that they we think that oh. Go oh, get a degree, get two degrees, go get a six figure job. And then do. it's like, no, like, no, it don't work like that. You can do all those things and make money. You still going to feel like shit. Yeah. Your professional development will not validate your personal development. No, they're two different things. They're totally two different things. Now, I would say that your personal development, if you have that, if you wanted to, it can definitely escalate your professional development but not the other way around. Right, right.
1: And I like everything that you said, Is <clears throat> especially that you took time to reflect where that emotion came from. And then for me, on the positive note, all of this is positive, right? But what I will say on a lighter note is that for me be able to reflect back to those emotions, I was able to pinpoint people that believed in me, like Austin Rivers' brother, who said, hey, I believe you can do it. But if you want to do it, wake up early, go train, go do this. So in that rediscovery of myself, reflecting back to those feelings, I can remember my kindergarten teacher that would call me Jer Bear and say, you're going to be important. My art teacher, Mr. Virgin, that used to always call for a teacher conference with my mom because he felt like I had so much talent but I was not doing the best I, I could in middle school, right? The, the the manager that believed that I could be leader of the company, right? You're able to draw from those powers. They're like, they're like Dragon Balls, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you collect them all, you know what I mean? Like Pokemons. And the next you know, you're able to take over. You know what I mean? You're, a- you're able to have that power in your life further, later on in your life to push. Towards the, those goals and, and get through that journey.
0: Yeah, and and what you just described there is what is a school of thought in therapy. It's called narrative therapy, where and that's something that I do with some of my clients. Is like you you look at they tell you the story of their lives and they tell you certain monumental moments. And a lot of times it's not good moments. Mm-hmm. But what you what we what I would help them with is to reframe that situation but even before reframing is it, that like, oh man you know that's kind of messed up because i gotta validate their experience but every no experience is just like all bad okay no experience is just all bad like there, like you said there are those dragon balls in that experience you just have to collect them and when you collect them then you know then you get super saiyan one two three you know what i'm saying you, you get that point And it's so funny that you mentioned it, because that's exactly what I was thinking this morning, because I was walking my kids to the bus stop, and I'm holding my son's hand going to the bus stop. And I thought to myself, man, I had nobody to bring me to the bus stop when I was a kid. I was in middle school. Right? But then I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. Like, I'm really changing the dynamic of my family, like my family tree. This is crazy, right? Because now, my son is most likely going to do that to his son and his daughter. Right. I started thinking more, I was like, well, when I was catching the bus, I was in middle school. And at that time, I definitely didn't want my grandmother walking me to the bus stop. But even further, I said, oh, but my grandmother did walk me to school in elementary every day. And she came and she, came and she picked me up every day. And then that started to reframe how I saw my grandmother, too, because I would always look at her like, man, you ain't care about me, you were so neglectful, so on and so forth. But I was like, nah, there were actually moments and times where she was not neglectful. So at that time, I was able to take the story and see the other side of it. That's with narrative therapy.
1: And you can't rush that. You can't, I think a lot of times, people try to force that on you. Other family members, of course, like, oh, your grandma did this, it's like, okay, I get it, but allow me, allow me to go through my process (laughs) to get to that point. You know what I mean? Everyone wants us to force forgiveness, so to speak. Um, And it's like, you know, forgiveness is not convenient. Mm
0: -hmm. That's one thing that my, one of my um, supervisors, when I was in my master's program, Mm -hmm. said. he was like, as a therapist, you're going to have to learn how to sit in the pool of shit with your clients. He said, You know how you sit in a pool of shit. If you think about it, literally, oh, that's disgusting. That's nasty. That's smelly. Y'all shake. <laughs> yeah. But figuratively, your clients are coming to you with the pool of their shit. Yeah. Don't try to just pull the yank them out of it. You have to sit in with them because they probably don't have anybody that will sit in their mess with them. So what do you what do you do when? Because I'm pretty sure
1: that as your clients are talking about their shit and their issues, it may trigger you in your personal life and things that you've gone through. Oh, absolutely. So like, yes. Yeah, so, like, what is that process for the therapist?
0: Well, you have to be able to always have a community of therapists or supervisors, someone that is more seasoned that you can speak to. Cause there's a term for that. It's uh, dang, There's actually a term where the I forgot the term where the clients' issues are projected on you, and you intake them in a way as if and like you're reliving your own stuff. It happens to me all the time. Where I'm like, oh shoot, yo, that happened to me. That that similar stuff happened to me too, wow. right? Yeah, it happens all the time, man. and I just have to be able to have a conversation with another therapist or someone that I trust. And honestly, I, I, I do a lot of work. I already, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of different things and I'm so aware. So I'm like, uh, okay, I see what's happening here. And that's why therapists, man. That's why I always tell people, yo, make sure your therapist needs to have a therapist, man, mm. because you're seeing so many people with their problems and you're human. You're not perfect. Right. And you need to be able to have that outlet as well. That's how I deal with it, man. That's how I, that's how I deal with it. To not allow. Oh, it's counter transference. That's what the term is called Cheers. Countertransference. Yeah, transference. Yeah, it's funny because I, I was
1: uh, Esther Perel. She had this caption where she was like, as a, a friend or a family member, when you're listening to people's stories, listen with intent, listen, listen deeply. Cause then, like you said, you're going to see yourself in their story and you're gonna relive some of the stuff that you've been through. So she was like, make sure that you write all the time, but edit often, right? So make sure you're journaling, spending that time with yourself. And then also uh, seeing the lessons that you can pull out of not only their story, but your story to live a better life, you know what I mean? Um. So that's that's great that you brought that up. I just wanted to ask
0: you that question. No, oh, yeah, for sure. That's a, actually a great question because I think a lot of people, clients that come to a therapist, and you don't. I guess it's a natural thing for you to think that the therapist has it all together. <laughs> but no therapist does at all. I don't care how they present. Like nobody does. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> Medical doctors, lawyers, nobody has it all together. Not the president, not the preacher, not the plumber, nobody. No one, no one. And, oh, there was a point that I wanted to make where we're talking about faith. And you mentioned how my you, you and my wife had a conversation that they feel like God. people think that God is going to do your part. Yes. And T.D. Jakes addressed this one time that was just amazing. It's just the best way. He was like, God created the tree. But your responsibility is to create the chair, is to create the coffee table, is to create the home. He gave you the, he gave you the, 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 the tree. Now you go ahead and you do your part. God will never do those parts for us. He will never, he will never do that for us. And, And when he said that, the thing I thought about was boundaries. Yes. Correct. It's like. I'm not gonna do your part. You have this is a mutual thing. I'm gonna give you the alley, you but you gotta flush it.
1: Hundred percent. And that's 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 a, that's a whole another situation with codependency. No, right? We I've been in codependent relationships where I was outworking the other individual, right? I was I was doing so much because of course the way I wanted to be validated, the way I wanted to be loved, I felt like I had to give 125%, right? And then once I realized I was enabling that person and I was doing too much and I started to pull back, oh, you don't love me anymore because I have a boundary? Wow. And then there's a there's a shift in the relationship. realize, And now I've realized that boundaries is a consequence of love is a di- direct reflection of love right but i didn't know that at first because i always felt like man if i try to put boundaries then i'm not loving them the way i should i'm a lot, i'm 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 helping them fail in life so forth and so on and i was like, like that in love relationships and friendships
0: um but i had to learn and that in itself again is a belief yeah the way what you believed about boundaries Made you feel a certain type of way, which was, uh, I'm gonna be looked at as a bad person. People are not gonna love me if I create boundaries. And because you were trying to avoid those feelings, you avoided putting boundaries. But once you change your belief of boundaries, once you deconstructed your current position on boundaries, and you realize that, oh, no, this is not really what boundaries is you read, you talk to people, you listen to different things, it starts to change your perspective, and then you start to see boundaries in a new light. Now you become more courageous to set boundaries. And if the person feels a certain type of way about it, then you know, okay, this is not a relationship that I need to be attending to.
1: 100%. And I know people out there that are like me, were like me, they feel like, man, that's it's so hard to place boundaries, right? And I Started placing boundaries on myself. That's how I started the process. And once I mastered that, it became easier to place boundaries on other people
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I started that process of self-love and understood it. Now, when I place a boundary on someone else, I'm like, what you eat don't make me shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's it. You know what I mean? It, 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 it. The process becomes easier and easier and easier, uh, and life just becomes much and much more better.
0: Yeah, it becomes better, but it starts from understanding the position of boundaries and knowing that, and that's one thing that my therapist taught me that blew my mind, is that boundaries are there to support relationships, Mm. but we look at boundaries from a perspective like, oh, it's going to destroy relationships, it's going to destroy my image, Yes, and that's the shift that a lot of us need to be able to make, because like you, and I was a big a epiphany for me. I was like, "Whoa, I was a people pleaser, but I came off as if I wasn't because of how I would place boundaries. But I would place boundaries in a way as self protection. Mm. I wasn't placing boundaries to support the relationship. So I just be like, nope, I ain't gonna do that. Nope, no, I don't care. You, you know, because I've been hurt so much. I'm like, nah. I, I thought that, like, oh." boundaries help you not to get hurt so let me put boundaries but when I was placing those boundaries I always felt bad inside Mm. but I just moved off principle like nope I'm just gonna set it because this person not gonna try me this and that and that but when my therapist hit me with you know boundaries are to support the relationship and he broke it down I was like whoa mindset yeah it shifted exactly it shifted everything for me it shifted absolutely everything for me Everything because I'm like all this time I was operating in this way, and internally, I felt that something was wrong, but I just felt like I had to protect myself again, it goes back to childhood because I never felt protected and safe. I took it upon myself to always protect myself, so whatever I needed to do to do that, boundaries being one of the things I would use that to protect myself that's crazy and and
1: this I want the listeners. Just to take time to think through this is a quote. And, you know, I like this quote. I mean, you have talked about it, right? And it says, you shouldn't die by your beliefs because what if you're wrong?
0: So imagine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, and just take it a notch lower. I mean, I don't take it a notch lower from death, but to relationships. Like I'm believing this thing about boundaries not realizing that I'm sacrificing or may I may have sacrificed some good relationships because of how I am dealing or how I perceive what boundaries are mm. it's nothing, I, I'm, I'm speechless right now
1: there's nothing else I
0: say. yeah and, and 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 again to our listeners this is this is why you got to do the work man you got Man, you got to do that inner work because we don't realize that we're not really living. A lot of us are just existing. We're not living and we're not living because we're not taking time to truly examine our beliefs. Many people don't even know what they believe. A lot of people, me me included, for a very long time, just thought beliefs just had to do with, you know, the Bible and church. Yep. Not, but over time I realized, oh, every opinion that I have is a belief. The way I live my life, what I do and what I don't do, who I hang around, who I don't hang around, those are beliefs. There were beliefs there.
1: 100%.
0: And many of my beliefs were borrowed. Most of us are. Like, if you think about it, you gain the beliefs from your upbringing, from your parents, from the community that you were in. Now, when you get of age, it's your choice whether or not you want to examine those beliefs or not. But most people don't. And then they get upset at the results that they're getting in their lives. And then they're like, oh, I can't believe. Like, people will be like, oh, I don't want to be like my dad. Oh, I don't want to be. uh." It's like, listen, if you don't examine your beliefs, you're going to be exactly like them. Mm -hmm. Or or you're going to be the exact opposite that's terrible. That's the other side is terrible, too. 100%. And this is why we all wonder why we lack faith. Mm. It's always going to go back to that belief in that faith at the end of the day. Correct. Yep. Well, before we get
1: out of here, make sure you send me your Paramount sign-in, login, and password so I can watch the Will Smith interview.
0: This thing is Paramount. It's bro. not Paramount.
1: Oh, Peacock, bro. Peacock. Okay, got you. Send me your Because <laughs> I wanted to watch the interview. I'm like, yo, they only got like. I one. on YouTube minute. though, bro. I think it's on YouTube too. It was too. only one minute clips. Is the
0: interview only three minutes long? Nah, I, I I still send it to you, but I feel like it's on YouTube as well. It's on YouTube. When I checked, I watched, a, I watched a couple of interviews on YouTube. Like, uh, you the, do. Tyler Perry, oh, they didn't have the Will Smith one, the Jay Z one. I watched the Tyler Perry,
1: but when I went for the Will Smith one, he told me it was only two minute clips like three, two minutes, only six minutes. I was like, I'm pretty sure the interview is at least a half an hour. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely I got you. I got you. Appreciate yeah. that because you know, Netflix been tripping so. Oh, yeah, you,
0: but Netflix, they they tighten that rope, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they tighten that rope, boy. They did, they did me greedy today. They let me watch 10 minutes
1: of an episode and said, yeah, you need that code, player. <laughs> you need that code. I said, hold on. My sister at work, I can't get the code. <laughs> Netflix, tripping, greedy,
0: capitalist. <laughs> Bro, them boys they real patient, man. It's been all, like over ten years. I know,
1: I know.
0: Them boys they, them boys they they were real patient, but let's say what they did is say, yo, we are gonna reel everybody in for the next decade plus, so that now when we say you can't use every uh one person's um subscription, people we we it's like it's a part of the culture, bro. We have no choice. We're gonna buy it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: You can't live without it.
1: Yeah. That being said, I need you guys to share this podcast, subscribe, so I could afford my own Netflix subscription. Okay, please <laughs> help a brother out. <laughs>
0: help me, please. Help me. All right, bro. It's a good one, another good one, man. I'll holla at you later. Love you. Have a blessed one. I love you too, bro. Be blessed. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go. I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And his explosive behavior made it be known. If he wanted to be left alone, but he was really carrying a weight of being disowned.